Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamega.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me are my fearless co-hosts, The Brian. <sighs> Denied. <laughs> and Joe. I wish, I wish I didn't squish that fish. <laughs> <laughs> back with us again, we have Pinku. I like fish. And Nero. Hello. This so week, I wish I didn't squish it. <laughs> uh, this week we're going to continue to talk comics. We've got a really excellent comic to review. A wonderful little indie omnibus of Let's Do This from Jeremy Arambolo. But first, let's talk a little bit about... No, not housekeeping. I know that's what you're thinking. <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. But I'm, I'm throwing you a little curveball. Oh, a little, wow. little, little panda curveball. <laughs> How's that different from a normal curveball? Thrown by a panda. It's thrown by a panda. It's black and white. Ah, uh, yes, this is true. It's not in color. Anyway. <laughs> I should just warn you that there is a player on the San Francisco Giants whose nickname is the Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Really? Panda. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> uh, first, let's talk, uh, let's talk Indie Spotlight. This week, Joe came up with the Indie Spotlight and suggested Sandra and Wu. So tell us about this. So I saw Sandra and Wu as a ad on Apple T. Oh, okay. It was one of the sidebar ads. And it had a little three-panel gag on it. It was a girl walking up to a boy who's got a ice cream cone. She says, oh, can I have a lick? And he says, yeah, sure. And she licks the side of his face and walks off, says, yum. And he's looking just completely terrified and happy. <laughs> and just really doesn't know what's going on, but is glad that it happened. And I read a couple of Apple Tea strips. I keep looking at this thing. It's like, I, I don't click on ads, but man, that's really freaking funny. <laughs> so I go ahead and check out Sandra and Wu, and I liked it. It is... By Oliver Norzer. Yeah, Oliver Norzer. Oliver Norzer. And drawn by Puri Andini. Sorry if we got your names wrong, but it is quite the pastime here to butcher people's names. Mm -hmm. It's part of the fun. So Sandra and Wu is a comedy webcomic featuring the girl Sandra North and her pet raccoon Wu. While most strips are just supposed to be funny or tell an interesting story, some also deal with more serious topics, such as the destruction of the environment. They also wanted to show what growing up means for Sandra and her best friends in, the, in middle school, Cloud and Larissa. Yes, Cloud and his sister, Yuna, their parents are... Final wow. Fantasy fans. Avid Final Fantasy Yes, League. they are named after the Final Fantasy characters. Nice. Yeah. It, uh, it, there's a couple of good jokes about that one. Yes. As well as a few of Wu's trips into the forest to meet his furry animal friends, Shadow, the fox, and Sid, the squirrel. As well as Wu's love interest, Lily. And since fall 2009, a significant number of the strips feature more of Cloud and Larissa. And I think they're trying to push more of a grown-up vibe to the comic now. Yep. Yes. Even though it's never... As far as I've read, been a very, like, kiddie sort of comic, even though the characters are children. They do look a little bit older, like they have aged from, like, the very beginning. Yeah. You know, that it actually almost looks like they're aging in real time, which yeah. is freaking weird for comics. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's trippy. Yeah. Uh, er, the the earlier strips of it really had sort of a Calvin and Hobbes kind of feel. Oh, they even yeah. actually yeah, mixed the Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, Calvin and Hobbes yeah. When I first saw that banner, too, that when he's in that same pose as Hobbes is usually in when he's pouncing, uh -huh. it's just instant to recognize... <laughs> Definitely, definitely. But only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the the art style actually I like it. It's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, really polished. Definitely. Yeah. Even even early on in the strips it's pretty well polished. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see, of course, how things grow and change. It's one of the, the neatest things to see with an ongoing webcomic. It's mm-hmm. something that's been going on for a couple of years to really see the progression. And this one really has had some significant changes over Sure it has. But they still look yeah. like the same characters. They're they still are. No, like they're still the same characters. It's just like they're more yeah. fully realized now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, is it? It started out as black and white. There is. Is it's, it all color now? No, or? no there's a, col- a couple of color strips. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's color strips like intermittently put into the comic. It used to be kind of just one shot comic strips, and now it's episodic. And mm-hmm. like it says, there's a lot more emphasis placed on Cloud and Larissa as well, instead of just Sandra and Wu. So interesting mm-hmm. that they realized that maybe those were more popular, or maybe that was the direction that they wanted to go. And. Changed it yeah. as it was going on, but the the strip that really sold this one on me that kind of pointed out that this isn't you know just a little teenage girl and her talking raccoon friend was uh, Wu in the forest and think a chipmunk steals a nut from Sid the squirrel. So Wu grabs the chipmunk, you know, looks at the screen and says, "I think there's an important lesson here." And the chipmunk says, kind of cheapishly, "Is what that." Crime doesn't pay? Not quite. And he takes him, hands him over to uh, Shadow the Fox, and says it's that it's better to give than to take away. And the next panel is Shadow's son with a skull saying, Daddy, Daddy, can I lick the brain the brain box thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. There, there are a lot of jokes about Wu and Shadow wanting to eat Sid. In there, <laughs> so yeah, but then he's our friend. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the problem. It's like, yeah, he's our buddy, but he's also tasty. <laughs> Animals gotta eat. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, I I I, uh, I am always excited when something is black and white, and I like that a lot. I mean, as much mm-hmm. as I enjoy really well done color, I think that black and white that can stand on its own is really cool. It's really Absolutely. really neat. Yeah, and I think that this one does a really good job of that. There's definitely some uh, manga influences, especially with mm-hmm. the people. Yeah, you know the the it's it's almost like there's kind of two like there are two minds artistically where you've got the the humans that you know still that have a very sort of manga influence, and then you've got the animals that seem much more like a traditional kind of like Nickelodeon style. Yeah, almost a Disney. Know. Yeah, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah. Looney Tunes ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. And but I, and and at first it almost felt like wow, that do those even fit? But they fit really well, surprisingly. And it's a really oh, it's yeah. a really good it's a really good comic. It's really a lot of fun. I love Cloud. Cloud's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know I, now I wonder if Sid the Squirrel is a reference to Sid from Final Fantasy VII. Huh. Don't know. What's his temperament like? I didn't read that far. Um, I think oh, kind of yeah. weaselly. Yeah. I, I don't really see him as. I, I, I really don't see him as <laughs> flying a ship around. Yeah, he's not an engineer. <laughs> not a flying squirrel. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, that might be. Mm. But he's not. Well, he's oh, kind of ill-tempered, cool. depending on which Final Fantasy you're thinking of. That's work. true. <laughs> awesome. But no, I, I think it's just. Sid. I love the Final Fantasy reference. That's pretty great. Yeah, I think one of the intro comics where you meet Cloud for the first time, like there's some bully who's like, "I lost my MP3 player." He's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "So I'm gonna take yours." And his buddy's like, "Dude, don't do it. He's got a sword." And you know, Cloud is iconic. He's got his big old fuck off sword called the Buster Sword. It's a very iconic sword in video gaming. And he's like, 
a sword. It's only a plastic dinner knife. And then the next scene, you see him walking away with his pants ripped, like the fully <laughs> walking away with his pants ripped off. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't have said only. A- <laughs> <laughs> nice. But you can find Sandra and Wu at sandraandwu.com and check out their actually significant backlog of strips yeah, at this it's point. It's a large yeah. backlog. This one's got a couple of years under its belt, so yeah. you got plenty to catch up on. Lots of reading. Yeah, it started in 08, and I think there was a year hiatus. Not mm-hmm. 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, it seemed like there was a gap in some of the early yeah. ones, too. Also available in German. Uh, yes. Also, yes. Yes. yes, so if you sprechen in Deutsch... <laughs> You can follow them on Twitter at Novilandiaris, <laughs> which is spelled N-O-V-I-L-A-R-I-A-N-D-I-S. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, fear not. Zeldeutsch, yeah. <laughs> Zeldeutsch. Yes, and they have a Facebook page, and uh, all you got to do to find them on Facebook is just type in Sandra and Wu into your search, and you should find them just fine. Make sure to like, follow, and otherwise, really, really good comic. Make sure to check them out. Love you guys. Again, sorry if we butchered the pronunciation of your Twitter name. But <laughs> you mean the pronunciation? Exactly. Mistake. <laughs> bad at this sort of stuff. It's one of our favorite. In and English are hard. Yes. <laughs> yes. I used to speak a lot of languages. Now I struggle to speak English. Yeah, you speak bad English. Yeah. <laughs> Not even English, English and bad English. No, no. I, I don't <laughs> speak two languages. Can, yeah. Got lazy. <laughs> I got really lazy. Yeah. Well, that's it for the Indie Spotlight. Very exciting. Always enjoying to... Check out and share independent media with our listeners. Just want to support all of the really amazing visual storytellers out there in the independent world. It's really exciting that everybody has this opportunity to do that nowadays with the internet and everything, and it's just awesome mm-hmm. to be able to see and share and just have fun with all this stuff. I mean, there's so much, right? I mean, there's so much to see. It's almost like, how the hell are you going to see it all? Mm. You know, how the hell is anybody ever going to be able to find it and that's why I think it's so much fun for us to be able to find some things and share it with our audience because you could be into indie comics and you know and have never heard never of heard of 90 percent of what's out there exactly yeah well, like yeah. what we were saying on the indie episode is that well 10 years ago when the internet was first being introduced into well more like 20 15 20 oh yeah I know oh man I know everything feels like it was only ten years ago, but we're actually okay, much older. So than yeah, that. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> ten years ago, back in the eighties, when <laughs> hair was cool and shoulder pads on the ladies. Yeah, buddy. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, now all about the nineties frizzy hair and wild flannel. Uh, flannel wild yeah. Does anybody remember slap wrist bracelets? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. those They're things back. were awesome. That was a shit. Oh, They're still back. Are they oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. Gone for a while, mostly because they were hazards. How about how about, how about lanyard with like the the? Oh yeah, oh, that, like, I made a ton of those. Right, yeah, the friendship bracelets. <laughs> no, well, well, yeah, but you'd also make like those crazy just stem just, things yeah, that were like. Oh, that's spinning. right. I was all I about never did that, that stuff. Or, yeah, you get the plastic or the uh, the woven. I used to love that stuff. I, or we would go to Japantown because we were such merch geeks oh, back in high school, <laughs> and I would get a little star paper. Oh, and wow. you fold it up and then you pinch it. And I was trying to fill this vase full of them. And I got about a quarter of the way down and was done. Nope. <laughs> this thing is taking too long. When we get back, we're going to talk about Let's Do This by Jeremy Arangulo. We met Jeremy at the recent Ape in October of 2012. And he was very generous and hooked us up with one of his books, a omnibus of a bunch of his web comics. And it's just, just a really great book. If you're listening to Geek Life, stick with us.
Welcome back to Geek Life. Don't forget you can get a free audiobook download, compliments of Audible, at audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife. We partnered with Audible to hook you guys up with a free audiobook and a free one-month trial of their excellent service. As always, I want to offer you guys a suggestion for a really excellent book. This uh, past week, I listened to The Fall by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. It is the second book in the Strain series. I read the first book, and then as soon as I got into Audible, of course, that was what I wanted to see was listen. Listen, I wanted to hear, not see. <laughs> I continually mix this up. I, this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you have trouble saying what you want about certain mediums. Consume. Uh, just, just wait until they come out with the video books. There you go. You mean yeah. movies? Movies. <laughs> Now video book. <laughs> anyway, just to mess with you, it's going to be video book. No, the strain, the strain trilogy. <laughs> it's is moving really pictures, and the picture is just the words. <laughs> they do that. They it's like, have, like karaoke. Auto scrolling. Yeah, yeah. It's not like video sound. <laughs> no, what they need anything. is they need to have something where somebody reads it to you, and there's a bouncing ball that moves to the thing. <laughs> Hell's yeah! That's that's your video book right there. Anyway. <laughs> The Fall is the second book in the Strain Trilogy, The Strain Trilogy, by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. The first book is really excellent, and the second book continued that tradition. It's about vampires, and the thing that is John really... John liking a series about vampires? Uh, I know! Sure. No, well, when, some, when, when I was looking through and originally found out about the series, A, I like vampires, but like real actual vampires... Well, there's not real vampires, but you know, you know what I mean, like you know, traditional not, vampires. Yeah, traditional vampires. No sparkly vampires. Yeah, no sparkly vampires. And I heard that Guillermo del Toro was at the helm of this, and was like, "Deal, I will check <laughs> yeah. that one out," because I, you know, those are like two things that are like always good, and it's really, really excellent. It's a very unique look into a, or it's a very unique take on the vampire virus, and it really is a virus in this one. It's not this mythical I mean there is a supernatural element absolutely in this one but you know it's really treated like a virus the main character is a gentleman named Ephraim Goodweather who is head of the CDC in New York or not head of but one of the one of the main players in the CDC in New York and what happens is a a basically a dead airplane lands and then lights go off and is totally silent and just stuck on the runway at LaGuardia Everybody's thinking to themselves, like, whoa, is this a bomb? What's happening? Is this terrorism? What's going on? And so they finally figure out, then they're, like, surrounded by all of the homeland security type stuff, and and they send in the CDC to check it out afterwards, after they figure out that it's not, like, an actual virus. I guess they scan it for bombs. I don't don't really remember uh, all the little nitty-gritty details from the first book, but essentially what happens is they go in and they find an entire airplane full of just dead people. And it wasn't. It doesn't look violent. No blood. No guts. Just they're just sitting there, sleepy like, but just dead. And there was two people that had survived. I think a couple, maybe two or three. They were non-responsive in a coma sort of situation. And you know, that's a lot like the uh, Dracula opening. Really, in the original novel, right? With the the, with the boat, the, the boat comes. Yeah, in it's and a little bit of a throwback to that. The way that they deal with the vampires in this one is really fascinating, though. It's not this glamorous supernatural predator who can compel people to think this or like that or whatever. It's not like that at all. It's really like this awful virus that transforms you into this kind of Nosferatu-like thing, this pale-skinned, hairless, lipless, noseless creature on a long enough timeline that kind of turns you into this awful sort of underground freaking creepy thing that doesn't even actually bite with fangs but has like a stinger that, that, that shoots out and hooks into people. 
and it's it's wild. And, yeah. they, and their their hands change, and the middle finger grows into one long finger, like long nailed finger, and <laughs> and it's really very different. And at the same time, still has s- some of those really compelling parts of vampire fiction about vampires living for long periods of time, and and sort of the the effects of that, and being able to have a story that is still consistently having the same characters that is that goes throughout history and has has a has a large range in time that it can actually affect instead of it being just about a couple years or something like that. So it's it really has a lot going on for it. It's really excellent. And in the first book you basically learn about all this stuff and Ephraim ends up hooking up with a guy named Abraham Satrakian, who is a Holocaust survivor and ended up becoming a vampire hunter. And he's at this point kind of this old, broken down old man who owns a pawn broker shop in New York and basically doubles as a <laughs> vampire hunter, mm-hmm. although he's pretty much retired at this point. But anyway, it's it's just so good. And things start to come up, things start to happen, and he's like, oh, shit, it's happening, you know? It's ha- it's going down. And so they end up trying to fight the, the master, is what they call him, the big baddie guy who's kind of behind this push for vampirism to take over and, and just explode virally. And in the second book, they move deeper into the story and, and things kind of head in an almost apocalyptic sort of direction. And I'm really psyched to see what happens in the third book. A neat thing, uh, especially if you're interested in picking up an audiobook and starting at the beginning, which of course you should, the first book, Strain, The Strain, the mm-hmm, yeah, is actually voiced by Ron Perlman. So yeah, as good! In, as in Hellboy. <laughs> So that's that's pretty awesome. I, I I have a sneaking suspicion that it probably has something to do with their relationship, Del Toro and, and Ron Perlman, from mm. the Hellboy movies, that they even did that. Because I don't know if Perlman's known for really doing audiobooks. Well, he's, he's done a lot of voice work. Sure, sure. Like narrating every single one of the Fallout games. That's true. Uh, a few other video games. That's him. The War Never Changes, right? Yeah. That's War, War, War Never, Never Changes. Changes. That's Perlman. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Well, I unfortunately didn't get to listen to that one. The one that I did listen to was was still very well performed by Daniel Oreskes, and it was just excellent. Still very, very good. Although I'm really curious what it sounds like to have Perlman actually do an audiobook. Like, I think that'd be pretty freaking awesome. Well, you know, while surfing through Audible.com, you can get previews of all the books that you're interested in. That's right. That's Good, right. A uh, five to ten minute preview. You can really check out so you can hear the, the Perlman doing his audiobook action. So anyway, that is my recommendation this week on Audible is to check out the Strain trilogy from Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. And the first one is by is uh, voiced by the the one the only Ron Perlman. Uh, but unfortunately, he's not the one who's doing the later ones. But it is still voiced by Daniel Oreskes and is still very excellent. So highly recommend the series. Really, really entertaining. Definitely an interesting and refreshing take on vampires, moving away from the ridiculous teen drama that seems to be just permeating our culture these days with vampirism the the real true nightmare monster stuff of old is still really compelling i think and and has a place and shouldn't just be written off as silliness as it often is these days mm. so the the faceless noseless blood-sucking things not dating high school girls in this one no it's not <laughs> dating high school girls in this one it's not trying to sleep with younger women it's good yeah, it's a, it's yeah. good to clarify that it also doesn't sparkle in the sun so that's good. Always, Always a plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely very nice. Uh, it doesn't star in terrible movies. We're gonna we're, we're gonna stop. We're gonna stop. 
<laughs> can go so far away. Uh, I just love to see like, a little high school girl dating something with a nose, no nose, and a sucker coming out. It's like, you want to make out? <laughs> that is a comic I would read. <laughs> oh, man, do you guys remember the comic Parasite? Yes. That comic I was used a to read freaking it. trip. But it went away. It just, it just disappeared. It did. It just disappeared. It was really, really trippy, though. It was yeah. it was from Mixine back when Mixine was before, before it became Tokyo Pop. Their flagship stories, Harlem Beat and Parasite, those aren't really going to attract a huge audience, but... Yeah, Parasite wow. was really crazy. It was, it was basically about, you know, as you would imagine, an alien parasite that would get into people or creatures or animals and transform them into these awful monsters. Yeah. And mm. the main character wow. actually got this seed in his hand, um, but it's right. not necessarily evil, and he, actually, he ends up actually having to fight all of these malevolent... Aliens is a really freaking yeah, awesome. I, just, I never found out what happened because it just sort of. I know it did. It just kind of dropped off, but it's such. It was really cool. It was really cool yeah. back in the day. Why don't we go ahead and move on to our comic review this week? The official collection of Let's Do This Deluxe Edition by Jeremy Arambulo. So we met Jeremy, like I said before the break, at the recent Ape convention. And if you don't know what Ape is, it is the Alternative Press Expo put on by Comic-Con International, famous for Comic-Con and WonderCon. Uh, it is their independent offering. It is really excellent. It has taken place the last couple of years at the San Francisco Concourse. Really lots of fun. Basically a giant artist's alley, which is my favorite part of conventions. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, we got to meet a lot of really excellent people, and Jeremy was a kick. We got a really good interview from him. We'll put it up at some point soon. In the meantime, let's talk about his book. So this is this is really an omnibus you know, collection of his uh, several different comics. He has a couple actual full comics in there, maybe 20 or so pages each, something like that. And then a lot of little one-shot or maybe two-page comics or something like that. Yeah. So as the Brian points out, there's about 27 different things in here. There's but there's more than that really like. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see what Jeremy has to say about his own book. Let's Do This was a mini-comic series I published, or Jeremy published, from 2006 to 2009. The Let's Do This title was his tongue-in-cheek way of acknowledging the wandering nature of his comics subject matter, crossing autobiography, superheroes, music, and video games. He was hoping that this collection creates a blur between the real-life stories and fantasy, alternating between the seemingly disparate genres. So, first let's talk about the autobiographical little one-shots or just, like, maybe two or three-page things. Like, how did we like that? I think those were my favorite part of the book. I think so, too. Because, you know, they seem pretty, you know, relatable and real because we all have... I'm sure we have a lot of similar... (laughs) Well, I mean, even, you know, just down to living in an apartment. this town. Fuck this town. Yeah, or he walks around (laughs) looking down because he doesn't want to step on the dog shit, but, you know, he's all, you know, the more than one, he's worried about what people are going to think even though he can't just walk around telling people his motives for doing things. I like the, uh, I like the stuff from uh, when he's at the... Coffee shop? Yes. (laughs) There's a couple different ones where he's at a coffee shop, and he's just observing the awful things that people do in line at the coffee shop, or the awful things that just happen at a coffee shop. Children on caffeine. (laughs) Coffee. Or the guy with the the damn Nextel phone that's all... Talking back and forth, and he just shoves the oh, damn thing yeah. in his mouth. <laughs> Though I was a little put off by the one where we're the uh, uh, the per- or the person makes the uh, wrong the wrong order, and she throws away, and he's like, "Wasteful bitch!" And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, calm down there, buddy." No, it, it was that she asked if she could have cream, and the 
person, yeah. the person behind the counter was like, we don't have cream, we only have milk. And that's why she tossed it. Yeah. I'm like, but, yeah. isn't that usually like a corporate thing you're supposed to do? I don't know. I don't but, know. I just, I, I really get a kick out of it. Is, is it better off Ted that has like all of the crazy tangents where he imagines attacking people or that, what was the show? There was a show some time ago. It was like an office situation. Yeah, I don't think it was Better Off no, Ted. it wasn't Better Off Ted. Because Better Off Ted was just... Right, 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 right. Anyway, I can remember a show from one point. I, I, hopefully I can come up with it at some point. Maybe put it in the show notes. But the uh, there, I can remember a show at some point where the main character would be going through life and in their frustrations would basically kind of go off in their mind and imagine this scenario where they would beat the living shit out of somebody for doing something rude at work oh. and then have to come back to reality. And that's kind of what this reminded me of a couple times where it's just this inner monologue and he like obviously like went to get coffee that morning at wherever he was it is that he gets coffee and this obnoxious thing came home and he's just vibrating with fear and he's like fuck them I'm going to write a comic about this this is bullshit yeah, it's, it's actually funny the first page of let's do this he's got this little like four page strip and it's I haven't posted on my blog for a while oh yeah it's wild. Oh. it's been a while since I've written on my blog hmm I know I'll draw a comic for it but what should it be about? And then he has this like blank, awful stare, like, <laughs> like back to square one. Never mind. <laughs> and that's kind of what this is. I mean, yeah. back when I had a blog, it was all over the place, being other mm-hmm. autobiographical stuff that's been going on, or just weird stuff about. Hey, I think that's what kind of cool. That's one of the coolest things about having a webcomic is that you can really put it about whatever you like. And mm-hmm. you know, I know the autobiographical thing. Even even Jeremy mentions in his book that he's a little bit was a little bit sort of self aware and concerned that that could be a little bit overdone at yeah. times. But he felt like he had something unique to say, and I'm glad that he did. It's really entertaining, you know. And I think we all go through those obnoxious day to day things, and it's fun yeah. to see them just kind of observational humor written down and just pointed at and just you know made fun of because it's it's garbage we all go through. And it's still yeah. really entertaining. Well, I mean, oh. you usually know that, Bill. And I actually, you know, I, when I was little, I used to make comics where it'd be just all sublimation, just like sure. You know, me flipping tables or whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, Ad, Ad, Admin talks about when she first came up with Artistic Monk and Dave that they were just tiny little disembodied heads sort of in the fringes and margins of her papers at school, basically talking crap about what she had to do at work at school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, she had to turn these in, and there's these little cartoon characters being like, this project is stupid. <laughs> oh, Admin. Oh, so good, so good. So along with his autobiographical strips... He actually has a couple, like, full issues. Uh, the first one is In Search of Mega Woman. I'll read what he says written here. This started as his only attempt at a 24-hour comic. The pencils were done uh, in the initial 24 hours, but he ended up taking an additional maybe 35 hours or so uh, over the course of two weeks to finish inking it. The comic remains one of his personal favorites. I really thought that one was really a bunch of fun. That one was hysterical. Oh, yeah. 24, 24 hour comic is rough too. Yeah, you've done one. You right? did one yeah. recently. Oh yeah, last uh, last year. Yeah, last year I did. Yeah, that one was really fun. I like that one. Painful. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the twenty four hour comic is something I always really before, respect. Right? Or something like no, that. No, I didn't sleep the night before. I took a <laughs> half hour nap before starting. <laughs> It, you could tell by, by like uh, four in the morning, I was sitting there laughing hysterically at myself the whole day. <laughs> and I think, and the maids kept, I was in a hotel room, and the maids kept trying to come in and knock, and they'd just hear me laughing, I'm sure, or just like, ha ha ha, 
because I was alone. Just maniacal evil laughing. They're like, I'm good. I don't need yeah, to clean this room. At it's... some point, they shoved a note under the door saying, you can have your room cleaned if you want. But... <laughs> Please don't bite me. But anyway, yeah, no, it's rough to come up with a whole story, even in that 24-hour span when sometimes, like, you know, a week's not enough, you know, where you just go through and find it. it. It's sort of like under the gun. And that's really interesting. I didn't know it was a 24-hour comic because that was actually one of my more favorite stories there, too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. It's basically about this guy who's obsessed with a local superhero woman. Mm -hmm. And he ends up causing friction in his his dating relationship because he spends so much time focused on this superhero. Yeah, it says right to his girlfriend's face. Like, you know, she's... So... Yeah, she's like the perfect woman. Perfect woman. woman. Don't... Do that! <laughs> it's so just bad. Just so you know. And he died alone. <laughs> it was... I, I just thought that one was really a bunch of fun. Basically, his girlfriend just breaks up with him because he's such a tool and he's focusing on this superhero. And so he's like, I need to talk to her. So he jumps off a building hoping that she'll catch him, like Superman style. Yeah, uh, Mega Woman. He wants to talk to Mega Woman. Oh, and she Woman. makes a crack, crack about that too, Mega Woman. Yeah. yeah. Are you, so- Lois Lane? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's really it was, that was a really creative one. I like that a lot. I, I I like the way that it finished, and it was really nice, just complete little short story. I feel like mm. like that girl shouldn't have got with him at the end. She should have just stomped him with a mech. I know, right? Yeah. His girlfriend his, comes back with a with a giant robot. She gets pushed to become a sort of supervillain, and, <laughs> right. and 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 you know, Mega Woman's like, "Whoa, I totally get it." <laughs> She's like, "This dude's a tool." You're right. Yeah. Yeah, Mega Woman actually knocks his ass out and then says, like, you should probably take him to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> that girl should have gotten a Mega Woman. That would have been hilarious. Anyway, anyway. Either way, I see it. Uh, so engaging. fan fiction. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so good. So, so engaging, good. though. I like that one a lot. Uh, another one that he did was I'm Only the Sleeping. And this is actually really interesting because it wasn't so much about being funny as it was just sort of voicing out these crazy stories that his friend would come back from tour on. So his friend, uh, Joe Zizo, is uh, one of his closest friends, one of Jeremy's closest friends. And every year he would return from a tour with stories of their adventures on the road. Using these stories as inspiration, Jeremy attempted to capture the chaos, excitement, and uncertainty of a rock band making a name for themselves. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this part. Mm-hmm. You know, because... There's so much time and energy writing-wise that goes into making a comic like clean and succinct that it actually has a purpose that you know if it's supposed to be funny that the joke is communicated clearly if it's supposed to have a point or hit some kind of emotional you know note that it mm-hmm. does so and this is really just just sort of recounting stories that you'd sit around with a beer just being like you guess what happened to me the other day you know yeah. and I, I really like that energy I was surprised that I did because I thought it would almost be a little meandering and you know, almost kind of pointless, but it yeah. turned out like I really enjoyed that part quite a bit. Yeah, but, you know, people have those friends that they just have crazy stories. Yeah, we all have that friends. one friend. We're like, yeah. oh, you'll never guess what so-and-so did. The other <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I used to have like a couple of crazy roommates who I have these really awesome and funny stories about stuff that they've done or, you know, I was there when they did it or it happened to them kind of things. I'm also somehow some way, which makes me very, very happy. I'm the guy that they tell the crazy roommate stories about. Like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah! Score. Nice. Um, but yeah, so you can totally relate with that. Yes, absolutely. I think yeah. that we all have friends that 
Yeah, I think we've all sat around just shooting the shit and telling stories about crazy stuff that's happened to us recently. Mm. You know, you'll never guess that this or that. And I can only imagine that. I mean, you you're in a band, Joe. I can only imagine. Yeah, I was. Gonna, the stories must be wacky. You know, in that universe. Yeah, I was gonna say that I related to this one on kind of a special level because yeah. I've I've played shows where there's there's like no one there. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, please just. Buy a little bit of merch so we can eat tonight. Where right, I love that the one where he's got somebody stands like these. Just like in the yeah. beginning, they play a concert and then they're all rocking out on stage and people are screaming and then they're standing on the stage and be like, "Ah, oh, t-shirts, ten dollars!" And then like a little ways deeper into "I'm Only the Sleeping," they play their songs and then they're just like, "Please come buy a shirt from us." <laughs> and he's like crashed out on the bar. And oh, trying to find places to sleep at a friend's (laughs) house after afterwards at the after parties. I've been asleep under a piano once. (laughs) So that's this is really like true to life how it can be in a band. You know, just being dragged down the stairs by people. It it was really funny. It actually and it is actually like that. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, the, The final the final one that he has in here is Soul Samurai. And this is actually something that he was putting together, hoping to get it picked up. He says here that uh, he's been a fan of the New York-based theater group Vampire Cowboys for years, and eventually developed a working relationship slash friendship with the uh, VC playwright Queen Nugent. And they developed the Soul Samurai comic based on his acclaimed play of the same name. Uh, the initial 24 pages served as a pitch to publishers for a longer graphic novel. At the time of this printing, they hadn't uh, gotten the opportunity yet to actually make that happen, but that is still a yet. So hopefully we can see more of that. I hope so, because that one was a That lot one was fun. sick. Did it remind anybody else of The Warriors? A little bit, yeah. Right? It had a real, I mean, like, it had there, that there vibe. Were, it had that sort of jive talk. Of, there was a lot of black exploitation jokes in there, like, and references. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. it just really felt like The Warriors to me. It felt like, I mean, I kept hearing the Warriors sound effects in my head, and, I mean, I have the Warriors game as well as love the, the movie. Warriors. So, like, Warriors. Warriors. So good. No, but that's what it felt like, and, you know... It's basically about rival gangs fighting each other, and I mean, there's there's a much deeper story there. I don't want to give it away or give everything away, like we have been kind of. <laughs> uh, but it's it, it's really it's really a pretty cool one. Um, but it definitely has this really neat feel to it. It's it's got this sort of just this I don't know. It's classy. Like I, I like I like that. You know that, that you can go through and tell a story about gangs in New York fighting each other and not have it be just as it is, but have it be almost like a period piece or something, you know? Because yeah. it really does feel like that, the universe that they wove in Warriors, where you've got people in sort of these comical, animated, cartoony almost mm-hmm. gangs that pretend, you know, defend their turf in these different areas and they're very animated and they have, have all this jive talk that they say and, mm-hmm. you know, it's all this, it's crazy and it's just, it was really cool. Like, I really liked that one yeah. a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. And there are a couple of video game parody. Oh, man. He does an Ico parody that hits Ico on the head. Have you guys played Ico? No. Am I the only person here who's no, played no, Ico? I've seen quite a bit of it. So, so Ico I, is from, I know what they're talking about. Ico is from about. Team Ico, which has also probably more famous for Shadow of Colossus. Uh, and mm-hmm. more recently, the game that seems like it will probably never come out, Last Guardian. Yes. Uh, but they are... Uh, Team Ico, they're, they're one of the few and uh, very special game developers that actually focus on 
uh, submitting entries into the gaming universe as game as art. And they really try and create games that are not just excellently fun to play and beautiful, but uh, but really an artistic experience, an emotional experience. And Ico was really pretty powerful. When it came out, I think it was a PS2 game originally. Yes, it was. And it was one of the first games that really had giant vistas and huge, incredible structures that you were traveling across. It was really, it was really a gorgeous game. But you're basically carrying around this princess. Not carrying around, you're leading around this princess. It's a, The whole game is an escort mission, which at first <laughs> sounds like a terrible idea. And it does have its like... It's a bit of a puzzler right. platformer as well. Exactly. And so it, it does it does really have that the sort of groan moments where you're just like, really? Yeah. Really? Her name's Yorda. And she, Yorda just for her life cannot do anything heroic. She can't even barely jump distances she's not going to fight anything and so in this one he, he has he has the little kid who's 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 helping Yorda out have this dream where basically he's teaching her how to be badass and fight and everything like that and then he wakes up and she's just like normal again and he you know they have to run off together and he's just like oh, sigh that sucks <laughs> he, like, he like taps her on the shoulder to say come on let's go and she's like ow my yeah. shoulder he's like oh son of a bitch <laughs> that's what it's like in that game it's like man Yorda man put on some pants girl this is ridiculous <laughs> yeah and I won't spoil the one about Contra, but there's a pretty oh, funny God. one about Contra. The Contra well. one oh, is no. brilliant. <sighs> I mean, yeah, when you do video game humor, it's easy for it to go over the over people's heads because it can be so inside esoteric jokes. But these, it's really clear he's actually played those and really gets it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's awesome. Why don't we take a second and talk a little bit about the art style, Pinku? Do you have anything interesting to say about that? And it's very unique. Well, it is. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of it actually in indie styles, but at the same time, you know, I hate throwing around the word polished like it's, you know, an old hat, but it, it is really polished because if you go from the beginning to the end, the style is just totally consistent all the way through. You would never mix up, you know, older, or you'd never mix up the artist or, or think that the, the creative team mm-hmm. changed, unlike a lot of books that we've covered. Sure. But he does manage to shift his style a little bit for mm-hmm. the different stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just enough. Like, cause, just cause some, yeah. He flexes his muscles a lot in terms of, of what he could do. Like, he, he made a Van Gogh reference in one of the stories. I can't remember which one. And then, I can't remember. Um, uh, it was the one about going on a psychedelic trip with, uh, right. in Amsterdam. And then it kind of <laughs> went that way for a minute. So, yeah. you know, so there's mm-hmm. a, you see enough. I mean, this is enough. all in black and white. Just just so you yeah. can get an image in your head of how this is working, listeners. So, it is all in black and white. So, yeah, I guess when you take that into uh, account, it's it's pretty impressive that he can make something obviously Van Gogh in black and white, considering Van Gogh is a modern painter who relied on color. Mm-hmm. And and stuff. He so you know he's good enough with form, which you know shapes and that kind of thing, to be able to manipulate it and, and evoke different things. So that's really cool. So I mean, you know, I, I've actually seen a lot of these drawing conventions before, like just the way he draws faces and that sort of thing. To me, it really just it strikes me as something that's solidly indie. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Like you never, you never, the genre is just unmistakable by looking at it. But that's great. Because you you can you can kind of get the tone for the, the stories inside where they're, they they match really well. Absolutely, I actually something that stuck out to me big time was the way that he shaded things. You know, because instead of using screen tone, I think there's maybe one yeah one I, thing in here that has screen tone, which is the Soul Samurai, and it's really pretty sparingly used. But otherwise, it's you know, like I said, black and white, just ink on paper. But he. 
you know, at, when you're not using screen tone or color, you tend to go into pen touches and hash marks and things like that right. to create gradient. And he, he does that, but he actually, a lot of the time, does it in these big, thick lines. Yeah, he's you know, not... At first glance, it's almost like, really? Is that the choice you're going to make? But it works really well. Yeah, he's not trying to hatch in order to, uh, like, make a facsimile of a different medium. Like, he's using black and white as black and white. Nero just pointed out that, like, wow, you know, the pages are really shiny. Uh, just the printing is really shiny, so it really makes that black... Pop. Yeah, the black really pops. Mm. I think that he had this uh, he had this printed out through Comics Press, and every time I see something from Comics Press, it's uh, it's typically really high quality. Yeah, it's um you know it definitely a strength. Yeah, absolutely. And the black the black really does pop. It looks really great. Like you got to assume that he knows about print process a lot. Oh sure. Because uh, you know I, it wouldn't for me it wouldn't have even occurred you know to do something like that. I just I just really love the way that he does that he works with the black and the white and and the. You know, trying to suggest shadow. It, you know what it reminds me a little bit of uh, is a little bit like the way that Love and Rockets is shaded. Yeah. You know the what was that the the something cats what was that one that we were what we were checking out a while ago tie girls or... tie girls that's yeah, what it was okay. yeah not the art style but the shading style mm -hmm. was reminiscent of tie girls which is this very bold deep sharp thick shading lines instead of lots mm -hmm. of little tiny careful hash marks mm -hmm. or gestural sort of you it know, makes it pen look touches. very comic yeah right exactly yeah. and, and mm -hmm. the, the i like the way that he did the the drawing of was it mega woman yeah, you know, because mm -hmm. her her suit was very shiny looking. Well, you know, the way it was so funny because she contrasts with the rest of the world that she lives in because she has that you know those really thick shadows that you expect in you know the standard superhero comic style. Even though the modern one's shifting a little bit, it's still she's very obviously superhero, and it and it's really cool too because the cover design is. I can't figure, I cannot remember what typeface that's using, but it, I want to say, like, it's an old, it reminds me of a, an old, like, Justice League cover or something mm -hmm. like that. I, I'm sure I'm going to come across a comic cover and go, oh, it was, well, it's not Fantastic Four, for example. I'm like, oh, no, it was the Avengers. I knew it the whole time, except I didn't, because I can't remember. I even tried to Google it. The cover's great, too. Now, have, after having really read through it all, like, a lot of these characters, if not all of them, are very recognizable. Oh, yeah. From all their, their different little stories. No, but I know that cover, like, the poses on the cover are referring to a specific comic cover I've seen before in oh, superhero really? canon. Yeah, I know it. I just can't I'd remember. love to have a poster of this cover. It's so cool. Yeah, mm. all those poses. I, I'm just going to kick myself. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, no, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> well, did we did we have anything else we wanted to say about uh, the official collection of Let's Do This? Nah. Well, I think no, that's I think it. So let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we will give our scores for... Let's do this. You're listening to Geek Life. Stay with us.
folks, we're going to give our review scores for Let's Do This. JP, you're up. Out of five issues, which is our system, you know, I think I'm going to give it like a 3-5. Like a, like a like I really liked yeah. it. I liked it a lot, actually. I would really like to see... Uh, one of his comics expanded upon more, you know, like a like you know. I know that that the In Search of Mega Woman is is a complete piece, twenty four hour comic, but I I would like to actually be able to sit down and read something, you know, this size, a trade paperback size of something like his Soul Samurai, and you know, like really see more of it instead of uh, as much sort of fragmented little bits and pieces. Which I mean, this is a collection of that sort of stuff, so it's it's perfectly appropriate and it makes sense. But I I, I would love to see more of his stuff and 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 see what it really looks like to have a you know long-term comic of one particular story developing characters and style and everything like that would be i think that'd be really awesome to see more of that and uh, i think that he may even have something like this on his site this is a little older at this point so i don't know but yeah it's, it's a solid three five really like it quite a bit it's a really really entertaining and uh, very relatable and just kind of hit me right i mean spoke to me right where i am you know it's going to the coffee shop and you know dealing with friends and apartments and all that stuff it's just it's very relatable it's great it's great i like it a lot i'm gonna give it a three five and kind of go the other direction with it i want to see more of the little like bite size comics really? i want to see like a little like weekly updated thing from him because well, i think that that he i think that that's ongoingly what he has on his website yeah yeah i'm gonna have to check that out because yeah. that for me that's where a real solid sort of comedy really shine through is it, he had a really good understanding of the setup punchline. True. Not yeah, that's definitely one of the stronger parts of the book were the little autobiographical incidental stuff, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to give this one a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely liked it. Um, there were some times where I was like, because, uh, you know, the way that stories were laid out, it's like, this one's so awesome and these ones were just good and so they were not as good as compared to these. So, Probably setting it up as more of, I'd probably like to see more like singular universe stories or singular character stories put together as a. So, kind of like what I was saying? Kind of like what JP was saying. I, I get the sneaky suspicion that this collection is actually, I mean, it is a collection of, of several other collections, I think. Like yes. there were several mm-hmm. issues that he put out of these. But I have a, a feeling that this is really more for people who wanted a physical copy of his, mm-hmm. of his work that were following him on his website. Yeah. You know, unless like a hey, this is this is like something that I wanted to put out, something that I worked on and planned. You know, it's like this is a collection of things from his website for those of us real comic people who want to have a book in our hands. You know, mm. yeah, so, I can see that. So, what, how, how do you feel, Pink? Well, you know, the stories I, I really like. So it goes between a three point five and a two point five because some of them I just I caught myself sort of not paying attention. Sure. So I, I've got to say I've got to think that some some of the stories didn't hold me, and it might be because I. It might be a failing on my own because I didn't get the references, but at the same time, it's like, that's not really my fault. But, so I, I think I'll give it a three just based on that. There's definitely a pretty big range yeah, that's, yeah. that's in here. Yeah, It's really diverse. I know it doesn't seem like a single focus book, but, you know, w- with all the understanding, yeah, with a understanding. The of, way that he described it is basically it's just, yeah. a, just a collection of all the stuff he'd done for years and years. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I, I don't imagine he, he made it. As a body of work, was like a, I'm sure a he didn't ever put this out expecting like this book to be reviewed as a whole. Yeah, exactly. You know, like so. these are lots of these are lots of individual things squeezed together in here. And one of the things that you know we didn't mention, but we should mention every now and then, is when with comic books how our rating system works. It's the issues system is one to five, and it's not just the quality and how much we like it, but it's also the cost because comics are expensive. So mm-hmm. it's both the quality and cost and factoring in 
how much we want to. You know, there are some stories in here that are absolutely amazing, but because I have to figure in the cost as well, it might get a little bit lower of a score. Just a and this is actually pretty reasonable for a little trade paperback. Yeah. He's selling these online for twelve dollars, which is less than most trade yeah. paperbacks. Well, you know, it can yeah. be also a time cost too, in sure. terms of like, well, okay, I like this, but this I was kind of mad about, so. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of what I was saying. Why I like and why I agree with Brian that it would be nice to to read something of his that is more laser focused. Right. That is like this is this is a Traper back telling this story. That is a collection of you know the first five or six issues yeah. of this story instead of all these different things. It's not that I didn't enjoy all the different things, right. but I, I would like to see how it lands on me to have something that is just this work. A longer narrative. Yeah, exactly. Something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, it was interesting that you guys all brought that up because, you know, I, I, it didn't even occur to me that, that, that I'd want longer or shorter. I usually just care about, you know, what's going to keep my attention, I suppose. Sure. So, you know, in, in general, it did. And it did. I, I really, I, I, I was oh, yeah. very much entertained, laughed, you know, chuckled right out loud a couple times. It was quite, it was quite good. Yeah, I actually caught myself laughing at some point. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I usually, mean, any I book can actually laughing. make you yeah. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's it, like I mentioned before, it's hard for me to give a crap, so that's great. <laughs> so Jeremy, she gives a crap. Yeah. Good job. You made me give a crap. You made me give a crap in public, sort of. <laughs> in front of people, man. That, that's, that's some pretty high praise right Dude, there. Dude, good job. All right, so pretty darn good scores all around. Really, really enjoyed your book, Jeremy. Thanks again for hooking us up with a copy, and we look forward to seeing you at future conventions. Hopefully we'll see you at next year's Ape. Maybe get uh, maybe get some more of your work to, to review and enjoy on the Geek Life Podcast. If you're interested in checking out Jeremy's work, you can find Jeremy on his website at jeremyarambulo.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-A-R-A-M-B-U-L-O.com. Of course, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Arambulo, spelt the same way. And you can actually, on his website, you can check out the comics that he posts up there. And then in his store section, you can purchase the very collection that we reviewed today for a very reasonably priced $12. Make sure to go check out his stuff and support Jeremy. He's a really, really good guy. Really enjoyed meeting and hanging out with him at the Ape Convention and look forward to seeing him in the future. Thanks again. I think that's about it for this episode of the Geek Life Podcast. Uh, man, 36 and getting up there. Yeah. Sneaking up on that 40. We're going to hit everything a whole lot faster. When we hit uh, the big 3-0, we were like, or what was what was the big landmark we hit recently? Was it 3-0 or was it 25? What was the it's one we 21 made a big deal? That 21, we actually 21 we made a big deal, right, because we're a bunch yeah. of drunks. <laughs> no, but... Uh, uh, no, I'm not, Mom! <laughs> no, when I, was, when I was thinking about big landmarks, I'm thinking, like, man, 50 is going to be a huge landmark. And now we're doing weekly podcasts, so we're going to hit it in a hurry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's really exciting. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for, for coming with us on this crazy journey of geeky goodness. And, uh, you know, thanks again to all of the independent creators that that support and share their work with us and look forward to enjoying more of their stuff. See you guys next time on the Geek Life Podcast. The subject will be zombie survival. We will have the crew from uh, Zombie Egg over here. Hopefully we can resurrect Zombie Egg soon. (laughs) (laughs) We keep threatening to do that. It'll crawl out of the grave sooner or later. Uh, Well done. Well done, well done. Thanks for listening to episode 36 of the Geek Life Podcast. We always love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, or insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. 
As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Nero, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Bye-bye. Come back. I got left hanging there, man. Sorry, I couldn't remember it. Mama, not.